Welcome back to Clydesdale Media, where we bring you the best from the world of CrossFit. Podcasts, news, special interest, health, fitness. If you like what you hear, hit that subscribe button. Hit the notifier so you're the first to know when we have new episodes. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome back to the Clydesdale Media Mindset with Phil Mansfield. My name is Scott Schweitzer. I'm the Clydesdale. He is Phil Mansfield. Phil, how are you doing? I'm very well, Scott. Very well. How are you? I am great. Um, I notice a new backdrop for you this week. Got some LPs in the back. If people don't know, Phil and I share a passion uh, for collecting albums, vinyls, records, whatever you call them, whatever generation you are. Um, so it's so cool to see those back there. And we may have a surprise coming for you in the upcoming weeks. But before we get to that, we are going to continue our happiness series with episode 10, Delayed Gratification. Phil, what is delayed gratification? I think I know, but I'd love to hear from you. Well, it's the um, <clears throat> it's the little, it's the mother's voice, isn't it? It's the... Uh... It's the mum, dad, clever, sensible person in your life telling you to save, not all, eat all your sweets at once and uh, save some for later or not spend all your money and save for retirement. And and I think in our daily life, we have a relationship to delayed gratification. And there's certainly times where it's a help for us. And there's certainly times where perhaps it takes a little bit away from experience in our lives. You know, I can relate to it. We talk about our passion for collecting albums. Tomorrow is record store day here in the States. Uh, and there are um, limited edition albums that are coming out for Black Friday tomorrow. Um, but yet we have Christmas right around the corner. So do I delay that gratification of going to the record store tomorrow uh, in favor of saving money for Christmas? I think that's it, isn't it? I think the question is, can you afford to go to the record store tomorrow and at Christmas? I think that's the that's what delayed gratification is. Again, it's always that boring, clever grandfather type voice in your in your head that says, "Can I afford this? Is it the right decision for me?" I think there's a the the the, the marshmallow. We often talk with our athletes about the taking two marshmallows, and you know the the old Stanford or Harvard test of of testing children of one marshmallow or two marshmallows. And then they were offered one now, or if they waited till this, that afternoon, they took two. And the theory was that they would be higher achievers and better in life. If already at, at a young age, they were cognitively intelligent enough to wait and receive a greater reward later on. I think that's the, that's the thing for you is there, where is the greater reward? And, and, is it delayed gratification if if you can buy a load tomorrow and then still have get a load from family and friends for Christmas? It's it's win win, isn't it? <laughs> it is, but that's not always the case. Oftentimes, it is a choice of a little now or maybe a lot later. Absolutely, it's particularly in the athletic space, particularly in the training space and uh, and the athletic space. And I think one of the one of the hardest things around that is asking athletes to go to competitions, perhaps not quite peaked as a learning experience and have them have them go and try and practice some of their 
weaker elements or not be peaked or topped to a to a competition but be going there to gain experience for example racing under pressure or just having that feeling of competition knowing that they're not necessarily in their top shape it's that's more of a, a relevant athletic example yeah and taking that a step further i think we talked on an earlier episode that maybe it's not the right time for someone to compete right and you're you're asking them i know you want to go to Wadapalooza, but maybe not that's not the best avenue for you right now so that you can perform better during the crossfit season where you'll get more gratification yeah absolutely and i think we we've talked on the show about that frontal lobe cognitive development that comes much later in in males and much earlier in in females and it's really being able to see that bigger picture um, as a as an athlete and be able to decide we talk often about cognitive decline and we have that little rebel in us or that that i'm going to prove you wrong or that cognitive decline or that stressed state and really what we'll look to do as coaches is ask our athletes or sort of empower our athletes or implore our athletes to to understand their decision making is to why why do you want to do this competition why do you want to do this why do you want to do your one rep max at the end of the clean do you need to do the one rep max now do you need to go for your max now do you need to race now do you need to do that session now do you need to eat that burger now do you need to have those beers now and really for me and and looking around the, the in the athletic space is if you genuinely with your rational intelligent cognitive self with delayed gratification in mind think drinking a beer now is the right thing for you i think you should have a beer you know i'll always encourage my athletes to have that beer or eat that pizza or ice cream or take their one rep max but if that decision is being born out of a petulance or a, a cognitive decline or a rebelliousness against something you feel inside you that little you know that little knot in your stomach that says i'm going to prove wrong or I saw so-and-so do this on social media and I want to see if I can do it or I'm going to prove so-and-so wrong. That's where the delayed gratification has, a, has it, or the, the immediate gratification has some negative effects. So what are some tools that you use to sit with your athletes? Um, and I love the social media example because I've talked to athletes who are maybe, maybe lifting is not their, strong suit, right? But that's the glamour shot on social media, right? So they don't want to get caught up in that because that's not, that's not them. And how do you sit down and have that discussion with an athlete and what tools do you use to help them cope? Well, it, it always comes back. And again, this is me repeating myself, but that's because, because we have, we've based in those core values that we talk about all the time. It's, it's having the athlete understand self. Um, we talk often as a group of coaches that it's not our job to tell the athletes what their core values are. It's not our job to instruct them as to how they should think. It's our job to help them understand those decision making. And we call them we call them forks in the road. A lot of the time we'll analyze forks in the road and we'll talk about evidence. And we will ask them, we'll, 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 they're hopefully they're aware of our terminology of forks in the road and we'll, we'll actively say to them you're at a fork in the road here what's the right decision um if we've done our background work and they have an understanding of what their core values are 
what type of person, what type of athlete they would like to be. Usually at that point, you can drag them into and, and identify a fork in the road. And essentially, you know, in a workout, um, you're, it's a five-round workout, you're at round two, it's a fork in the road. Do I attack now, go and see if I can make it home? Or do I hold my pacing and, and attack on the last round? These forks in the road or decisions, essentially, and every fork has a, a left or right turn. And essentially your life or your workout or your training day or the success of your training day will be a collection of these mini forks. And we all know that we all know that momentum builds both positively and negatively. So taking a good decision on a fork can feel so good that the next three or four decisions are great decisions. And that can be very much the opposite if you take a, a, a decision not in line with your with your cognitive self. So We'll talk very much and help them help the athletes decide, is this part of your plan? Does this relate to your core values? Is this who you are as a person? Um, it's really important that we don't have an opinion around that as well. So even if they turn around and say, you know what, Phil? Absolutely. I don't like so-and-so. He's just lifted this and I want to prove him wrong. It's really important that the athlete doesn't then get the feeling from us that we think they're doing something wrong. For us, it's... It's, uh, it's trying to help them rewire that mindset to say, well, if you look at the critical features of elite sports people, the critical features of people who win regularly, they don't think that way. How do you align with that rather than me telling them they're wrong, having them look at evidence from other sports people and take inspiration from other sports to understand their decision making processes? I have so many thoughts right now, but what I'm going to go with at this moment is can an can a person or an athlete in that decision they go instant gratification instead of delayed and they fail can that be as good of a learning experience as actually making the right decision oftentimes better oftentimes better you know i think that we we've spoken about this on many other many other podcasts that if the result, as in the leaderboard result, is what you're driven by. You'll very often be disappointed by the leaderboard result. You'll very often find a, a lull or an unhappiness in that result. And a lot of the time, people need to go out and take that chance. Like, oh, one of my favorite things is if you feel it, do it. You know, I'll often say that to an athlete before a workout. You know, yes, we've got our strategy, we've got our plan. But if you just get a little sense, you know, sport, all the great stories across sport are uh, Jordan having a uh, having just a feeling to close his eyes and take the free throw. You know, he does it for a reason. There's a play for it. And if you sense it, you should always go with it. You should always do it because if you're right, it becomes one of those magic moments of sport. And if you're wrong, it becomes a wonderful opportunity for you to reassess your core values and, and what decisions you can make going forward. It's, it's very often that we will wait for the athlete to make a mistake before we take the conversation with them because it's an easier conversation to have. The other thing I'm visualizing as we're talking is building, building a house with bricks, right? All the decisions are bricks. And some of them are going to be really good, perfect bricks that lay just the way you want them to. And some bricks are not going to be that way. Um, decision-making seems to build upon each other, right? If you start making good decision after good decision after good decision, you start building a really good foundation. 
but the opposite can happen as well. Momentum is everything. Momentum is everything in decision-making. And I think it, it might be our most important job as coaches uh, outside of programming and and more important than the how many squats or how much weight you lift today. What it might be was helping them be aware of the decisions they're making in certain situations and how to turn how to turn that momentum in our favour or against us. Sometimes, you know, you're doing everything right and you're just not getting the results. Sometimes the team's, the team's doing everything right, they're training well, they're feeling good and things aren't clicking. And I think a lot of sports are, are superstitious. There's a lot of superstition in and around sport. And I think in the later years, in the last sort of 10 years, we've started to be able to explain things like flow. You know, if you went back to the, to the 70s, 80s and 90s, we've talked about it. People would say that flow was just a lucky random thing where now we actually know and can research that it's a, a group of hormones that are, that are in the right amounts at the right times. And this is exactly the same for this. We can see that decisions build on decisions and they get better and better and better. Um, and I think Bill Gates says that why would you want to waste your time going to a lecture with a CEO of a, of a hedge fund? I would much rather go and listen to a lecture from the homeless man and find out all the decisions he made wrong and how he ended up there because I'll learn more from him than I can from the CEO that's had the easy life. So it's always finding that balance between I need to make enough mistakes to grow and be better, but how do I make those mistakes and stay in a positive momentum and understand they're part of what's going on for me? Yeah, I love that pivot you made there because I, that was my next question. If the person is making good decision after good decision after good decision, as a coach, do you need to give them the irregular brick and and so that they know how to use that in a way that helps them? Absolutely. Like our, our job is environment creation, essentially. That's what we do. We choose the environment in which our athletes are operating within. So, so we need to manipulate that environment. And it sounds... It sounds awful, but we're trying to create an environment where they will be challenged, where they'll, I don't want to use the word fail because because maybe fail is the right word, but I, I want to use the word that it's a challenging environment that makes them think and makes them question themselves and makes them question their techniques and question their abilities and question who they are as people. And we, we constantly create that environment. We just had a replication weekend for some of the athletes going to, to Dubai. And we made sure that we paired them against people who are great at their are great at their skills in workouts that they're not so happy with and, and making sure they're pushing. The easy way to do that would be to say, right, we're going to pair you with someone who is who you're going to beat and you're going to feel really good and grow. But on the flip side, it's like and it leads into that spotlight effect, which I think we're talking about next week, is that you need to know there's other people in the world who are good. So we choose the environments that we we let the athletes operate in so that they do feel challenged, but at the same time, lay a security blanket under them in, in helping them understand the challenges that they're faced. An example would be to just show it's not like a, uh, a malicious act that you're doing as a coach. I talked to an athlete who was at a semifinal, uh, had a pace in their head of what they needed to do on the workout realized too late that that pace was wrong and they were so far behind they could not get back in the game and the 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 irregular brick was thrown thrown at them and it took them too long to figure out how to use that to change what was going on in in that particular event to be competitive 
So it's not malicious. It's just you have to learn to adapt to the situation and make a new decision quickly. Absolutely. I mean, I remember that one of the a funny or oh, funny story, a hard story. I coached a, a British soldier to to get through to the special forces and he came out and he lived with me for a month and the environment I had to create for him was something that challenged my own personal beliefs of what you're allowed to do to other humans, you know, and, and for his, his gratification, his end point was, well, I want to be a special forces soldier. I have chosen this myself and the environment I had to create for him, uh, swimming naked across rivers at two in the morning in the ice, and you know all of the all of the things that I would I would almost consider inhumane. The battle that I had through myself of creating these environments, and they're not malicious, but at the same time, you have to ask. You go back and look through psychological studies of Stanley Milgram, who pretty much shocked people into conformity, and it was classified as study, where the ethical boundaries for we have as coaches i think is very very interesting it's something we talk about very often and it's something that's very hard for us as coaches to get right well i think we're at the end of this week's episode uh delayed gratification um i think my plan tomorrow is to go to record store day pick the one album i really really want and then wait for christmas to see what's around the corner what is that any album? any last words of advice yeah, well, I want to know what the album is that you're going to pick tomorrow. Do we know it? Now? I have one in mind. I have one in mind, but because they're all limited edition, you don't know if you can get it or not. <laughs> Best of luck finding it. All right, thanks. Uh, if you like what you hear, make sure you hit that like button. Subscribe to the channel. Hit the notifier so you're the first to know when new events, come, new episodes come out. And if there's any topic that you would like us to cover, make sure to leave that in the comment below or DM Phil or I on Instagram, and we will uh, look into that and see if we can get a show out there for you. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next time on the Clydesdale Media Mindset with Phil Mansfield. Thank you so much for joining Clydesdale Media for today's episode. If you liked what you hear, Hit that like button, hit the subscribe button, and make sure you hit the notifier so you're the first to know when new episodes are out. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you next time with Clydesdale Media.